0: Welcome to Give Methods a Chance. It has been a while. In this return episode, Barbara Gurr, Associate Professor in the Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies program at the University of Connecticut, and Maura Kelly, Associate Professor of Sociology at Portland State University, join us to discuss their recently published co-edited book, Feminist Research and Practice. Barbara and Maura discuss the qualities that make a methodology feminist, examine the relationship between a feminist approach and positivism, and help us understand why all researchers would benefit from considering some of the fundamental questions that feminist theory raises. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Oh, thank you, Kyle. We're really happy to be here.
0: So, just so the listeners can better recognize your voices and be able to tell who's talking, would you both just say your names so we can distinguish?
2: Yes, this is Barb Gurr, and I'm Maura Kelly.
0: Awesome. So let's let's get right into it. So we're here to talk about feminist research and I was hoping just to get us started. If you were to introduce the idea of feminist research or or feminist methods to an undergraduate class who had never heard of it. And really, this could be translated to grad students or even professors and the researchers in the field, because I don't think this is talked about enough. um, But how would you go about explaining the concept?
1: Well, when I talk about feminist methods and I introduce feminist methods, I do that the same way that I introduce feminist theory, which is basically to point out to students that at its heart, at its core, feminist theory, like all critical approaches, is really about power. Um, Where power is, where it isn't, who has it, who doesn't, you know, what experiences come from power, what is foreclosed, you know, with power, um, how power changes, how it shifts. So not only is feminist theory about power, but actually feminist methods are also about power. Feminist methodologies and feminist epistemologies are, are also about power. So I start with that place of, of really trying to understand power in the questions we ask and the methods that we use and the way that we analyze our data.
0: Okay, so thinking about that idea of power and how that translates into research, if we're trying to determine what would count as feminist research, would it be more the topic that's researched? So something dealing with power? Or is it the methodological approach itself? Or is it even the researcher and who's conducting the research that makes it something that we would label as a feminist method or feminist research?
2: Yeah. Great question. So feminist methodologies are really about a set of principles and practices. And some of these were developed by feminists, and some were developed in other research traditions and adopted by feminists. So in the book, I offer six characteristics of feminist research, and I'll sum them up briefly. So the first is situated knowledges, or the idea that all knowledge is created from a particular social location that offers only a partial perspective on reality. And this is where feminist approaches tend to differ from positivist ones. The second characteristic is a focus on intersectionality, uh, the ways that different systems of oppression like race and class and gender intersect in people's lived experiences. The third is reflexivity, the idea that once you acknowledge that total objectivity is impossible, the best way to approach research is to think about how the researcher impacts the data collection and analysis and be thoughtful and intentional about that. The fourth characteristic is that feminist research is political, and this can look like a lot of different things and different projects, but I argue that at a minimum, feminist research has an obligation to problematize inequality and have implications for how to address inequality, and those issues are really all tied up in power. And The next characteristic is contributing to conversations and critical scholarship, and Feminists contribute to conversations in feminist scholarship, of course, but also other critical traditions like queer and critical race scholarship. And then finally, feminist research considers the role of uh, power in the research process. Um, So like Barb said, feminist research in general is really all about understanding power. So it makes sense that we should also look at power in, for example, an interview between a researcher and participant and try to understand how those power dynamics shape data collection analysis. So you might have noticed that none of those elements include anything about the identity of the researcher or the topic being researched. Any researcher can choose to adopt these elements of feminist methodologies, and we argue that you can apply them to research on any topic, although it's a bit of a departure from previous scholarship on feminist methodologies that suggested that the focus of feminist research ought to be on women or on gender, Uh, but we take a more expansive view here.
0: Okay, so really, it could be researching anything, even if from a more superficial or outside perspective, it seems like it has nothing to do with gender, maybe immediately doesn't have anything to do even with power. But if you're taking those principles into account, then you could be applying a feminist approach to understanding that topic.
2: I think that's pretty much right. I think any feminist approach would have to deal with power to some degree, but it doesn't have to be gendered power dynamics. You could be looking at other systems of oppression or identities.
0: So one of the things I've noticed, even as I'm asking these questions, is that I've been slipping between using the term feminist research, feminist methods, and feminist methodology. And I've noticed in your answer, you're using those words in slightly different ways. And I was hoping you could help us understand that distinction or if the distinction even matters.
2: Yeah. So when I talk about feminist research, I like to differentiate method from methodology. So a method is a way of gathering data, like interviews or surveys, and a methodology is an approach to research. So methods can be used across a wide variety of approaches to research. What we're talking about when we're talking about feminist research is we're talking about feminist methodologies. So in practice, those terms are often used interchangeably. So if we're going to be a stickler about it, we might differentiate. Um, And I think it can be helpful to... Theoretically distinguish those two to understand the ways in which it's not the methods themselves that are feminist, but rather it's the methodology, it's the approach to research that makes something feminist.
0: That, that's a very useful clarification. Now, I'm wondering if we could go to the first two or three points that you made in thinking about those six qualities that are so essential to feminist research or or feminist methodology. And what I'm wondering is that positivist science is one of the more well-known targets of critique from feminist theory. So thinking about Patricia Collins or Donna Haraway, or you were bringing up standpoint theory or intersectionality, how would you describe the relationship between feminist methods and a more positivist approach or perhaps? Perhaps a more direct way of asking it is, are they mutually exclusive? Uh, or is it, are these these two ideas that can work in conjunction with each other?
1: No, I think that they absolutely do not have to be mutually exclusive. I think they should not be mutually exclusive. I think that that's um, dangerous, actually, to assume that they need to be mutually exclusive. I think a lot of feminist research methods and, and feminist research desires, if you will, the desire to ask particular questions comes out of a sort of historically heavy reliance on positivist methods, um, and that those positivist methods have in some ways neglected marginalized communities, right? So if you take, for example, evidence-based medicine, um, I love evidence-based medicine. If I'm sick, please use the preponderance of evidence to figure out um, how to to fix me, right? How to make me better. But evidence-based medicine has largely neglected, historically, neglected marginalized communities, right? And so we don't have uh, as much research on women's bodies as we do on men's bodies. We don't have as much research that takes into account the impacts of, say, racism on the physical health on the body right and so evidence-based medicine is this great model that shows us the larger trend the larger pattern but does not show us everything and this I think is where feminist research sort of enters the conversation right to, to bring to light that there are these other experiences that are equally important and equally valid and that to to really critically examine those other experiences really just makes everything richer and so positivists research methods are really just one tool in the toolbox of, of the feminist research. Many feminist researchers, more is one of them, use mixed methods, right? So they may use a survey as well as interviews or content analysis or archival research. So they'll use these these several tools in the toolbox. I think it's it's a dangerous notion to assume that feminists must only or must primarily use uh, more qualitative data or more qualitative methods. I think that that uh, sort of pigeonholes feminist research <laughs> in a particular way that that really isn't true to what we're doing in 2019 in the 21st century
0: okay that, that makes a lot of sense and then thinking about some of the later points that you brought up in your list of six and actually the first point that you gave Barbara when you were defining what feminist research is you're saying we really have to take into account power and then more when you're going through the six points you're saying it's also about the power between the researcher and the subject or the people being researched. And so I'm wondering if we're giving greater appreciation to those type of dynamics, does that shift the obligations that we have with groups being researched? Or does it change the relationship between the researcher and researched?
2: So I had said earlier that one of the key characteristics of feminist research was having political implications of the work. But um, in the book, I hedge on how much of an impact the research should have. And that's a tension that I haven't fully resolved. So I'm not at all opposed to research that is primarily about building knowledge or theory and doesn't have a direct impact on the group being researched. I do that kind of research myself. But I found that the most rewarding projects are ones where The research can have a direct impact on the lives of participants. So for example, a lot of my research right now is in valuation research, looking at programs intended to provide more opportunities for women and people of color in the construction trades and so in that research when my research shows that a program is working, that research is used as justification for more funding for continuing the program and the construction trades becomes more diverse. So that's really satisfying um, to me personally and on the one hand I see that as this is what feminist research can do whether it can or should or needs to do that all the time I think the answer is no. But like I said sort of trying to figure out what is our obligation to people that we're studying um, that's something that feminist research researchers are still really talking about and debating.
0: So, So with that interpretation, thinking about the power dynamics and making a link to the political, it forces us, just to make sure I'm understanding it right, it forces us to always think, why are we doing this research and what can it actually accomplish for the group that is giving us time, data, access, those type of questions. So we should have some sort of deep reflection on why this research should be done and what it what it actually does for that group. Is that is that right?
1: Yes, I think that's I think that's absolutely right. And I think that's part of what a sort of feminist methodological approach really brings to enriching the research, right? Because we, we acknowledge our own place in that research process. And then we can also be thinking about how we're not only how we're collecting our data, but how we're analyzing it and how we're thinking about it. And all of those things are, are impacted by who we are as academics, right? So I'm in a particular social position, as an academic when I go to another community. And my position as an academic shapes and frames the very questions that I can ask. So I do think that coming from a feminist perspective into your research does bring, actually, obligations to think about the groups that we're working with and the, the communities that we're working with and how our research product, our final product, can potentially impact those groups and also how our research process can impact those groups.
0: So th- thinking more about that process actually leads to, directly into my next question, which is the title of your book is not just Feminist Research, but it's Feminist Research in Practice. And that fits really well with the goals of this podcast, where it's not just about thinking about methods at an abstract level, but what does it actually look like when you're doing it? And so I'm wondering if you could talk a bit more about the second half of that title and how that shaped how you conceptualized this book and and maybe even why you didn't just title it Feminist Research or Feminist Methods.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the ideas of practice and reflexivity were really the starting point for the book structure. So the book has sets of paired chapters, one empirical chapter describing a research study, and a second chapter in which the scholar reflects on their experience doing the research. And I've always been really interested in those kinds of discussions about methods, but they're pretty rare in sociology you'll sometimes see discussions of methods in an appendix of a book uh, I've been reading the sage methods case articles which are great and of course uh, your podcast but there really are limited opportunities for this kind of reflection about what it means to put feminist research into practice so I really want a dedicated space in the book for that specific purpose
0: Barbara did you want to add anything to that answer
1: I think that the reflexivity chapters, as Maura has pointed out, really add to our understanding of what researchers are doing, right? So in the reflexive chapters, a lot of the scholars are talking about, you know, I made this decision to ask this question, or I made this decision to do it this way. And I think it really adds to the overall conversation of of understanding who we are as researchers and how our decisions impact the very knowledge that we can produce and create through our research.
0: I really appreciate that you had those chapters, because so often when we read a journal article, you get one paragraph on that, right? And you can tell that it's something one of the anonymous peer reviewers said, well, tell us a little bit about how your knowledge is situated, or tell me about your positionality. Or maybe they had more, and it gets cut down for space. But it ends up being this thing that you check off rather than really taking time to appreciate what it actually did.
1: Right. Agreed. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. and that that journey, I think, is is so fascinating and really enriches the the whole project, enriches the data collection, the data analysis, the final product that comes from it. yeah, I think it's it's really, super important to have that reflexive space.
0: Let's move into talking about the actual chapters in the book. And I think that will help go from this more abstract discussion to seeing what this research actually looks like. And initially, I was going to ask you to choose your two favorite chapters, but i I know that isn't fair. It's like choosing your. Two favorite children or your two <laughs> favorite pets uh, but could you choose two that you think highlight some of the key qualities of feminist research
1: yeah so I have to agree with you actually they are all really chapters that we love we had a lot of submissions for this and and we liked all of them and we very sort of specifically and carefully chose the chapters that finally landed in the book because of the the sort of range of methods and methodologies and approaches and epistemologies and and even sort of reflexive approaches that are in these chapters so we're really pleased with the range and the quality of the scholarship and the feminism that comes through in the scholarship I must say that one of the chapters I enjoyed the most is actually Katie Acosta's chapter. One of the reasons I appreciate Katie's work is because it's so deeply situated at the intersections of race, gender, sexuality, and family. And so I think that she really, she dives deep to ask questions that are not asked often enough. And her chapter in in the book actually reflects that, is actually kind of a product of that, because she's looking at this chapter, she's looking at the dissolution of same-sex families and parenting, how parenting happens after the dissolution of of same-sex families. And as she points out a little bit bit in that empirical, the first data-driven chapter, but also in her reflexive chapter, we really, I think we've we've spent so much sort of political energy trying to achieve marriage equality that there's been a hesitation to really research and talk about what happens when same-sex marriages don't work, right, when they fail, as if, you know, this, added stigma of, oh, same-sex marriages are just like heterosexual marriages and they don't always work, right? But as, as if that stigma is going to, to do some damage to the work we've done. And so I think researchers, and I think Katie also thinks researchers may have hesitated to go there, right? But she does. She does go there and she thinks very carefully about what it means to parent in a blended same-sex family or a dissolved same-sex family. And so I, I really appreciate The way that she asks those questions, and I I particularly appreciate the way in her reflexive chapter she talks about how those very questions are personal for her, um, and part of the reason that they're personal for her is because she has to ask herself, as an academic, Where do they come from and are they even safe to ask, right? Are they safe for the communities we're researching? Are they safe for us as academics trying to build a career in academia, right? So even this question of safety and the questions that we ask and the research that we produce, I think is so fascinating. And Katie does such a great job of of examining that tension around safety and what's missing and, and what's being sort of put to the forefront in terms of our research. I really appreciate the work that she does.
0: Yeah, that's such a beautiful example that moves us away from that idea that we're just these floating brains that are simply bringing knowledge to the world, and therefore any knowledge is good knowledge.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly, yes. To think so very carefully about how we craft, even, even our questions, even our curiosity is crafted, you know, and she thinks so carefully about what that means in terms of our own safety and other people's safety and, and where our research comes from and where it goes,
0: And then, Maura, did you also have a chapter or an example that you could share with us?
2: I do love all the chapters, um, but I want to talk about Barb's set of chapters on water protectors at Standing Rock. And first, because this is our example of the ethnographic method in the book, and Barb does such a nice job of pairing her observations at Standing Rock with interviews and analysis of news and protest art and music and autoethnographic writing about her own experiences there. So you really get that sense of being there through her storytelling, which is something that I personally just love about the ethnographic method. But I also really value these chapters because Barb's work really pushed me to think about what was most important about feminist research. Um, Barb's chapters are mostly about native and white identities and hardly about gender at all. But her chapters really helped me realize that the most important thing about the feminist approach is not the focus on gender. I actually rewrote the introductory chapter to the book after reading an early draft of Barb's chapters. And in that rewrite, I shifted away from a focus on gender and towards the idea that feminist research is about a collection of tools for doing rigorous and ethical and politically useful research and so i really appreciate barb's chapters for kind of pushing me to see that more clearly
0: that's really nice
2: thank you Moira. oh you're welcome barb
0: <laughs> so the next question i have is potentially a little bit silly and it's definitely a little bit selfish so every semester I go in front of the feminist research methods class at SUNY Brockport and they read an article I wrote in ethnography. And at the end of the conversation, we go around the room and the professor puts forth this question to the students, is what you read feminist research? And then after that, she often turns to me and says, well, what do you think? Was your research specifically using a feminist approach or or an example of feminist methodology? What I'm wondering is how do you go about knowing whether something that you read is feminist research? Or how does a researcher know if that's what they're doing? And it's fascinating because every semester I get different answers from the students in the classroom, right? They have very different responses. And in a sense, it goes back to that initial question. Is it about the method? Is it about who the researcher is? Or is it about the topic? So I'm wondering if you could help me out.
2: The way I think about feminist research, it doesn't have to be a yes or no situation. You're either doing feminist research or you're not. I think it's more interesting to look at how researchers implement these principles of feminist research, so situated knowledges, intersectionality, reflexivity, political implications, critical scholarship, considerations of power. If you're doing some of those things and you want to call it feminist research, great. It's nice to acknowledge the tradition that you're working from, but any researcher can absolutely do any or all of these things and not use the label of feminist in my view, but I think I'm less attached to the label of feminist compared to some of my colleagues. Although, of course, I'm a feminist and I call my own work feminist. So with that, what do you think, Kyle? Is Do you implement principles of feminist research in your work?
0: Well, I think I do. And what I love about your answer, and I'm going to steal that next time I'm in front of the class, <laughs> <laughs> um, Absolutely. is that it's almost like saying... Is this good research? So it's a question of, are you doing the principles? Are you doing those things that would lead to it being better research? And you never want to say my research is good, but you can say, well, yeah, I'm trying to do all those things that would make it fit that label, right? So is my research feminist? I'm trying to get there, right? So I'm trying to implement all those things, and I'm hoping that it comes through to the reader. I like thinking about that as a process more than simply, you know, does this label stick or not? So I, I really like that. There you go.
2: You're welcome. <laughs> and then I'm gonna tell the
0: professor not to have them listen to this podcast, so then I can steal it. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> listen, it won't yeah. be as good. <laughs> all right. Final question, and this is often my favorite question to ask, or at least favorite answer to hear. Thinking about the book that you put together, all the great examples of feminist research that you have in the chapters, all the conversations that the two of you have had, imagine you're standing in front of a giant lecture hall filled with undergraduates, filled with graduate students filled with other researchers from the field and other professors, how would you convince them that it's important to pay attention to the principles contained within this book? It's important to pay attention to this concept of a feminist research methodology, right? In a sense, sell us this idea.
1: I kind of feel like I'm back in my dissertation defense, (laughs) thinking about this question, you know, like I'm I'm back at the oral exam. (laughs) But I, I think that I would say simply that feminist research methods, methodologies, epistemologies enrich every aspect of the research process. And in some ways, they enrich that by actually making it harder, right? So it's it's not, feminist research is rarely quick and easy, right? Because of, and again, I, you know, I would say these six principles that Maura talks about in the first chapter are, are so central to the work that we do as, as feminist scholars, and that they require a lot of work by us, right? It requires a lot of work from the researcher to be careful about, to be thoughtful about power in your research process, and to be thinking intersectionally, and to be aware of the potential political implications of your research. You know, I, it takes a lot of work on the part of the researcher, which means that your work is almost inevitably going to be more thoughtful. Your analysis is going to be richer. Your data collection is, is going to go deeper because you're thinking about these things. I think they're absolutely really essential, not only to, to feminist research, but I would also say as a feminist researcher to all research, right, that we pay attention to these principles.
0: All right. That's a, that's a perfect place to end. So thank you for joining us on the podcast and probably more importantly, thank you for putting together this edited volume, um, which I'm hoping a lot of people will use in the classroom, whether they're teaching methods or senior capstone project, or even intro to sociology. Uh, Thank you, Kyle.
1: Yeah, we hope so too. We think it's a really great project. We're pretty proud of and appreciative of all the scholars who contributed to
0: it. Appreciation goes to John Kelowna for providing our theme music undergraduate sociologists Beth Heberger and Alicia Rios for their help with the project. And most importantly, on behalf of me, Kyle Green, as always, thank you for giving methods a chance.